Let Jane lend a hand to running your business with features like secure telehealth, online booking, and therapy notes, so you can spend more time doing what you love, helping others. Jane is Pipeta compliant and Canadian-based. Learn more at jane.app forward slash mental health. Kathy is a highly spiritual person. Her Catholic faith is an anchor in her world after harrowing experiences of abuse in both childhood and adulthood. Within her healing process, she feels lucky to have met a therapist and a pastor who specialized in EMDR. The acronym stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing and has been extensively researched as a psychotherapy intervention for trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder. The idea in EMDR is that a combination of exposure therapy and what is typically a series of eye movements to reprocess a traumatic event. Kathy's therapist used paddles that she held in each hand and moved in sequence to engage both sides of her brain as she retold her story rather than eye movement. There are several ways to do EMDR and this is Kathy's story. I'm Talia Singer and this is Whatever Works. Hi Kathy. Hi. Welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. If you don't mind, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I am, I'm a someone who uh, grew up, I'm an adult survivor of years of child abuse. Mm -hmm. And I, um, it's interesting because I lived that life and I left home at 17 and, and I had this in my head, like, I'm going to leave <laughs> and I'm never coming back and I'm going to live this life and just go and just all of this is going to be gone and done and done with. I, I'm done with it. Right. You thought you had left it behind. <laughs> it, it seemed like such a good idea. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I went and I lived my life and, and did a number of things with uh, all our nonprofits around the country and around the world. And, I hit a point in my 40s mm -hmm. where it was just this sense of, we need to deal with this. And that the resistance was, no, we don't. We can leave that buried. <laughs> but yet I was experiencing, and, and I look back at it now and I realize I had periods of depression. Mm -hmm. You know, but I didn't, it was just like, it was something you needed to muscle through. Just get through it. Right. Close that door and never open it again. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's the, it's the, I'm sure, because I had this whole conversation in my head from my abuser who would tell people if I tried to tell them what had happened, she's crazy, you can't believe anything she says. And so that was like the story, the, the stigma that was running through my mind. And yet this thought of how can I come to this point where I just, this has to be dealt with. And I think about it in retrospect, I think part of what happened at that moment is that I experienced another abusive relationship from a direction I just never expected. Mm -hmm. um, I, I had um, encountered a priest and in the space of feeling like I needed to address this, I turned to the church because that's what I knew to be the only safe place in my life from my childhood. Mm -hmm. And in reality, he abused me all over again. Wow. And so that just kind of hit that, compounded everything. Mm -hmm. And in the space of that, it was like, okay, I need 
to get help. And I, I went to a program in my world with uh, Catholics of uh, Grief to Grace, and it was my first experience working with therapy, much as in a group setting. Mm-hmm. And from there, I met a therapist who I started to work with. We, she was trauma-informed. We were doing a lot of the talk portion of it, but from a tra- trauma-informed standpoint. And at some point, she said to me, I think what you really need to think about is EMDR. I think that's going to take you further than what, because she said, because I was frustrated. I'm like, I feel like I shouldn't have to pay someone to be my friend. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. that's in some ways like what it felt like. Like, right. I, I just want this to be different, better. And, um, and, and I want to move forward. I mean, at this point, I am reading everything under the sun that I can to try it because that's my winning formula. <laughs> If I don't know something now, I will read it to death until I am an expert in it. Thank you very much. (laughs) Right. And had you ever heard of EMDR before that? No. No idea. And I'm thinking, okay, so then how do I find someone like that? How do I? And I actually made a connection with the Catholic University here. Uh, It turns out the head of their counseling department was also one of the leading state trainers in EMDR. Kathy, how did you come to even start to trust another um, male service provider that was in the church after all of the experiences that you've been through? It's interesting that um, my therapist that I was talking about that I was working with with talk therapy, Yeah, she recognized what was happening with the priests and actually reported him. Oh, wow. And then she went through her national network to say, who can you recommend? She needs a different spiritual director because he had brought me in and and then under the guise of spiritual direction did what he did. Mm -hmm. And so she went through her network to say, who else can we find? Who is safe? Who is? And the new spiritual director that she found um, was also a licensed therapist. Right. And so you trusted her and then they made that introduction and she said, You say you see what you think. He said, You see what you think. And we've been working together for spiritual direction since twenty ten. We still are. It's so hard to trust that they'll test you. They'll you know and they're looking to see like, is it really safe? Right. What I hear you saying is that the relationship between you and your therapist is a continual negotiation of trust where he continues to prove to you that he is trustworthy. You know, because without that, and that's the thing I, I realize as I look at the whole EMDR process, without trust, you can't do that process. Mm-hmm. I, the whole point of EMDR is to revisit really painful periods in your life. Mm-hmm. But doing it in such a way, I mean, EMDR, the eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, the background of it, like, like what it's based on is this idea of engaging both sides of the brain. And in that moment of doing that, having that physical action going on, and and in, in my particular case, he used paddles. There would be paddles in my hand that I would hold and they would pulsate between them. That was what was going on back and forth between the paddles. But for some of the therapists, it's a matter of they'll hold their finger out in front of you and your eyes are watching that finger move back and forth. I've also seen that some of the online options 
where they will have a screen up in front of you and you're literally watching the lights move back and forth in front of you mm-hmm. and keeping track of that. And what it points to is that in the process of like bringing up those moments, you're also not completely just focused on it, but focused on what the movement is back and forth. And in the process of doing that, it creates new neural pathways. So it isn't stuck in that same old loop. It actually has a different way to go. And your brain, which just naturally, its natural way of operating is to try to heal itself. Mm -hmm. So this gives it what it needs to be able to take it to that next level, to be able to help itself. Hi, this is Katie from the Jane team. Whether you're a solo practitioner or a clinic growing your team, we understand that every practitioner is unique. Jane is a practice management software that allows you to customize therapy notes, online booking settings, and personalize your clinic branding to match the way you work. And with Jane, you're not alone. That's why we offer multiple touch points along the way to ensure you're up and running as smoothly as possible. You can connect with us at jane.app forward slash mental health. Walk me through your first session with your new EMDR therapist that you hadn't met yet, but was just highly recommended to you. You know, we came in and he wanted to know, like, what's your history? What's your background? And I'm one of those people where starting new therapy is hard for me because I have to, like, retell the story every time. Right. You know, he's reviewing my history to say, like, where have I been? What am I dealing with? I I admit, own admittance, he's like, yours isn't the easiest case because most people come in here with maybe one traumatic event, maybe two. Mm -hmm. They don't come in with a lifetime of traumatic events. So this is going to be a little trickier, but this is still very doable. But then, because they had to then get real clarity around Mm -hmm. which parts were the most important to focus on because it's recognizing that I have these past memories, but I'm also having difficulties right here in the moment. Right. And some of that relates back and starts, you know, comes back. My past is in my present or, and then it it makes it hard to decide what to do in the future with all this mismatchment going on. It walks with you. Because that's the whole, the whole thing around trauma is that, Memory hasn't been processed correctly. Mm-hmm. I, I was just explaining this actually to a group yesterday where I said, you know, when something traumatic happens, it's so overwhelming to the brain because it's a threat to their person. It's a possible death situation. It's so overwhelming that the brain will, you know, blow the fuse, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so you stop feeling partway through. So the physical action will continue, but the emotions have become frozen. Right. And but until you can actually unfreeze those emotions, every time that your amygdala sees anything similar to that moment, it goes into a pit, complete panic because it's absolutely certain that you're now back in time at that moment and it's happening all over again. Mm-hmm. And, and you feel those same emotions as when that happened. I mean, that's that, that's the whole thing of a flashback of what's happening. 
let's say this particular memory, this traumatic event that brings the past into the present, how did your therapist in EMDR take a memory like this and use the paddles to rewire your neuro circuits? So what he did in that very, uh, once he knew like what the memories were, what things to work on, he then came into the actual second session and he said, you know what, we're going to set up safety zones. Who is it that you think of that's safe? And I would give him names of you know, my grandmother, Jesus, folks like that, whoever it was that felt like safety to me. And he goes, what are places that feel safe to you? And for me, that would be the Eucharistic Adoration mm-hmm. Chapel. That that was huge because faith was a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, you know, it's the, like in my room or in my, wherever those safe places are. And they would also talk about, okay, if you feel yourself getting too anxious, too Here's some things I want you to do to calm yourself. You know, we'd be working like, we're going to take a breath. We're going to, all those things that we do that are Mm self-calming, they're going to want to talk about those things in the front end. And by that point then, so that we when we actually move later to actually these sessions that brought up, it would like, here's one moment in time. I'm not going to tell you what to think, but but it was this, the like, what are the thoughts that are coming up for you about you? What are the, the things that you believe about yourself? I'm not worthy. No one loves me. I'm not wanted. All of those things. And what would you like to be true? And in the moment of actually bringing that moment up, what they were doing by having the paddles going, it was a distraction mm-hmm. so that it wasn't the only thing I could focus on. And it was engaging both sides of the brain. Mm-hmm. And so in that moment, so even though we were talking about it, it's like, he would just say, like, who do you, who's there? What do you see happening? What's going on? Um, who, and I, I think of the, one of the examples that came up, like literally the conversation was, he said, who's there? And I said, Jesus. And he says, what's he saying to you? He said, though a mother forsake her child, I will never abandon you. Mm-hmm. And he said, why is he saying that? Who's there? And he said, my mom is. Well, what does she say you're in our doing? And I said, she just told me, I never wanted you. Mm. Why can't you just go away? Oh, Kathy. And it was just that moment of, because I was distracted and he, I had some technique to say, okay, if this becomes too much, here's what I'd like you to do. Let's take a breath. Let's, let's use some of the things that we know how to do. Who's there with you that you trust? Jesus. What's he saying to you? Let him be there with you. Mm-hmm. Because if you have that safe place that you can go and that safe person, it's not nearly so scary anymore. Right. And it breaks some of that emotional um, response and allows that emotion to just finally be felt and let loose of. Mm-hmm. So that you can actually get through it so that now I like, I can talk about it now. Back then, I, I couldn't have done that. This is the reprocessing part you're talking about. It, it sounds as though you and your therapist prepared to go on a journey and that the therapist gave you kind of like a pre-departure safety speech saying like, in case of emergency, do this, do that. 
and that you felt prepared to go together to that place. That's part of the process is making sure that people are safe coming through that because it, it does amazing freedom afterwards. Uh, I mean, not to say that it's not tiring, because here's the thing, just because you come in for a 60-minute session doesn't mean your brain will suddenly go, oh, that's it, we're done, thank you. Right, you're continuing to process after. It will keep processing. <laughs> and so they're like, you need to give yourself some space. Um, it's okay to rest. Um Maybe a little more sensitive to light and sound. So mm -hmm. be aware of that going into it so that you can give yourself the space around it to truly take care of yourself. You may have more vivid dreams than you've had before. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and there's anything that you want to bring to the next session, feel, take notes and feel free to do that. Kathy, can you describe me the physicality of the EMDR session? Are you standing or are you sitting? And the paddles, you said that they're pulsing, so you feel a vibration in your hand alternating? Mm -hmm. Is that how that works? Yes. Okay. So in some ways, I'm thinking about EMDR as like something visual, the eye movement, and that always sounded quite exhausting to me. And in some ways, the paddles... I would prefer the paddles to just feel the sensation of alternating vibrations in my hands. And the thing is, it still engages both sides of the brain, which is what you're going for. And it's been funny because as I've been doing after this, people have said, if you want to keep doing that kind of thing, pick up, take up drumming, Kathy. That's a great idea. And one of the things that we talked about is that you are in fact valuable, that you are cherished, that you... How much do you agree with that or not agree with that? I mean, does that seem true to you at this point? Because they're trying to shift those conversations as well as the emotional release in our heads so that, in fact, um, we can then take that to the conversation. Reauthor the internal dialogue. That is, that was part of the process to, uh, and, and, and it was, it's, it was a lot more freeing at that moment. I mean, it's not to say that we don't ever have those moments where you slip back into, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely in the I'm worthless moment here. <laughs> it's like, but at least now it's a little easier to call it out and say, I don't think that's a truth. Mm -hmm. So what is it that I can do for myself that to help, you know, like to help come back from that, to help. And, and it was interesting because in the process of doing this, I had some uh, a friend of mine say to me, Kathy, she goes, I don't know if you realize how much better you're doing because previous to this, there were things that could happen and it would tank you for seven to 10 days. Mm -hmm. You could hardly function. You were just so tanked by what was happening. And she says, now, if something happens, you're coming back around again in three days. That's pretty darn impressive. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> That's very telling. So it's not that I don't get tanked or get triggered or get, but yet it's, and I wouldn't have necessarily noticed it, but it's always helpful to have friends who are aware of what you're doing, what you're working through, who can then give you some insights to say, here's what I'm noticing. Can I ask you, if you were to give someone the elevator pitch of what EMDR is, what would you say? The elevator pitch is... It engages both sides of your brain. It creates new neural pathways. And I'm not saying it'll be, you know, 
pain-free at the beginning, but it will move you to a place where you're going to have a whole lot more freedom. That's so important. I have to be honest. I'm not saying that it's going to be without pain. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some painful parts in the beginning, especially as you're trying on these new techniques for calming, trying on what it is to uh, to to be able to lean into places and people that you can trust. But what's possible on the other side once those um, emotions are freed up? That right there is huge. I, I realized someone said to me once. They said, "You know, Kathy, what happens in trauma is that our we tend to push down our emotions. They're too painful, too much." Because we're so desperate to avoid more pain, but when you squish down your emotions, you also squish down joy and happiness, and that's too high a price to pay. Oh, Kathy, that's that's so profound. That is the opportunity to truly live in joy, which you know, when you're on that other end, it's hard to imagine that that could exist, but it's real. And it's it's a blessing to be able to step into it, to step into the light. This has been the fourth episode of season three. This episode was produced by me, Talia Singer, and edited by David Conroy and Jason Ball. <laughs>